Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm good. How are you? I wish someone, I should sometime film you doing that because I think our audience would love to see it. It's just, it looks just as good as it sounds. Does it sound good? I don't. I don't know. I, sometimes I listen to it as I edit the podcast, and I'm like, "This is buffoonery." Well, that's the whole point, right? It's buffoonery. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's excitement. It's like, hey, something's about to happen here. Well, when we first taped the original pilot with Jenny Radlett, our dear friend, who's a, a podcast producer extraordinaire, we listened to this podcast. And you know what? We kind of like meandered our way into the podcast and i said you know what this podcast needs a jolt of energy if we're going to be talking about family life parenting and wine why not make it like a wwe entrance so that's my homage to wwe i love that it also like wakes us up because it's 9 30 and it's like hello let's do it it is 9 30 our saturday night our date night This is episode 73. That's right. Episode 73 of The Long Finish. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Going to go right off the bat. I know there's a few of you out there that listen to the show that have not yet sent a review. We need you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. So if you have a chance to do that, it would mean a lot to us, especially as we head into the holiday season. It's the giving time of year. Just one easy click, five star. Love it. Love the show. Especially Tug. Uh, entrance is my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's episode 73. Excited to tell you about what we've been up to in our life the last two weeks. But I came to Catherine after our last podcast and said, is there a Halloween theme? And we kind of noodled on it. We landed on the idea of something to not be afraid of. And it's sweet wine. So don't be scared of sweet wines. So we're going to try to demystify sweet wines to you tonight or wines that have a touch of sweetness. So Catherine, what are we drinking tonight? We are drinking a really fun wine tonight. This is the Catherine Patch and Patrick Botex Bougie Cerdon La Cuille and it's Method Ancestral non-vintage. It's from Bougie. Cerdon in Bougie, France. This is a delicious, delicious sparkling wine. Oh, I can't believe sweet wine gets such a bad rap, although we hardly ever drink it, but this is like a pretty delicious wine. Well, let's get into that in a few minutes. Let's talk about why people are afraid of dessert wines, why people don't want to get into it. You feel like the first thing that people ask when they go to a wine restaurant and they're not sure what they want, or I say a wine restaurant, I mean like a wine bar or a restaurant that specializes in wine. And the first thing they'll say to you is, I don't want anything sweet. People emphasize that all the time with just still wines, wines by the glass, just I don't want anything sweet. I think people are afraid of it, or they definitely like a little bit of sweetness. There's a portion of the population that does. But most of the time, people want to let you know they're about grandmas? Not- this is no. a portion of the population grandmas that no, and certainly I'm not, not your grandma. Well, no, not my grandma, and I'm not going to profile the people because it really <laughs> can take all different kinds of people that like a little p- sweetness in the wine. I mean, I would say from my experience, it's often people who are just starting to drink wine. Certainly, me and my friends, at, you know, age 21, liked a little bit of sweet, and then you end up liking more dry wines. But then there are people who like sweet wine forever and always. Anyway, 
people don't want the sweet wine. They're afraid of it. I think they don't want something too cloying. They don't want something that tastes like a soda. And they want something refreshing. But dessert wine is the only wine that's like actually sweet. Or some sparkling wine that's demi-sec, which is semi-sweet, like the wine that we're drinking tonight. And that is sweet wine. So technically, most of the time, restaurants have a section for sweet wine, wine that's really going to be sweet, meant to pair with desserts or fruit or maybe brunch or lunch. That's what I'm really thinking about for this wine. So we'll head into sweet wines in just a moment. I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. Catherine and I were off air, and we were in a little discussion because we haven't had a chance to really connect this week. It's been a busy week, so she, she was giving me the stink eye. And said, hey, can we can we catch up? And I said, let's catch up on the podcast. So, Catherine, let's catch up on the podcast. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. <laughs> Let me <laughs> you say. I didn't think that was happening. No. But it's happening. Well, that, no, I didn't think that was happening. Um, no, we just haven't seen each other very much this week. And it's just been go, go, go. And it's hard, you know, with three kids and like work and all this stuff. It's a lot. But I will say there's been, you know... Someone new in the picture this week that's just been coming between us, and it's hard. and And that's your new phone, and I, that's right. I, I'm resentful, and I don't like her hanging around. And you're spending a lot of time with her. Just the latest update on my phone saga. My new phone, my iPhone 13, whatever model arrived, and Catherine's jealous. Catherine's jealous because I, I want to tinker with it. I want to look at the pictures it produces is it an affair it might be it definitely is and you don't like it i don't like it one (laughs) bit don't be surprised if it gets in the pool again oh no i did have insurance on the last phone but they're like there's nothing you can do this phone is dead i don't think the insurance covers like falling in a pool i think it might have actually but but yeah you couldn't save the phone oh so i learned a lesson that basically just Insure the phone until the until you paid fully paid for the phone, and then just let the insurance go, because then you can upgrade. You know, smart. Do y'all come here for a uh, phone <laughs> tutorial? Yeah. By the way, there's a long line at Verizon, so just listen to the long finish, and yeah. then you'll know what to exactly. do. Exactly. There's a long wait. Go to my girl Sonia on Wilshire and 26th, Santa Monica. Busy week because we have a lot going on in our lives. There's a lot of things happening at Esther's. A lot of things happening in our my life, personal life. So this is our this is our opportunity. We always say this is our chance to have date night. We're doing it, catching up. We played a little. Uh, <laughs> this is classic Southern California. There was like the threat of rain today, so the threat of rain canceled soccer games for our kid. Just the threat of rain never actually rained. It may have been moist for about five minutes. Yeah, it was like a it was like a, a misting. A misting. Yes. Exactly. And kids were like, what is this? Let's let's run for the hills. That was funny. They were so scared of it. <laughs> oh my god. So yes, we're dealing with all the normal things that you, you, you deal with when you have three kids. Um are soon to be six month old. Catherine thinks it's going through some teething, so for all the parents out there, no, that's not, not the most fun time. Just try to get through some good sleep. Our kids are going to bed earlier than ever. We wanted to call the podcast, as you all, you all know, before 7 or after 7. After 7. Because we want to get the kids yeah. asleep. Well, you're getting one kid asleep before 7, but yeah. they're in our bed. They're in our bed m- multiple night, times a night. I have to say, I really will say, our bedtime routine has never been better. I honestly believe that. I don't 
We're rating it, ourselves a 10. Remember we used to rate these bedtimes? We're, 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 right we're hanging now, out 8s and 9s right now. I Right now, we are at a 10 for me. Unbelievable. And, and it's so funny because I used to dread it so much. And right now, it's in a sweet spot because the almost 3-year-old goes to bed really easy because he's not taking a nap. And it's so sweet. And we just have one-on-one time because... Bo and the baby are down here and so it's really sweet and it's easy and then I come down I get the baby and we go do bedtime and it's really sweet and it's really easy and then I come down and get Bo and we go read and do bedtime and so each kid has their own alone time with one of us and I'm sure you guys are all tuning You're already asleep. But it's so good. Well, just know that there are some good things happening in our world amidst all the craziness. I know there's some some new additions happening potentially in the kitchen at Esther's, so you're you're needed a lot for, for a lot of things that are really new and exciting events happening at Esther's. Plus, we run into the crush of holiday season, which is always a busy time for Esther's. So it's bonkers right now, but we want to get you this podcast out because it's Halloween week. We're running into the holiday season, as I just mentioned, so you might be drinking or having the need for some sweet wines. So let's turn it over to Catherine so she can educate really myself. I had this podcast for myself so I can learn more about sweet wines, dessert wines, and why I shouldn't be scared of them and want to lean into them. So Catherine, can you remind everyone what we're drinking again tonight? And let's just kick it off. Let's talk about sweet wines. Let's talk about dessert wines. Yeah, so we are drinking the Catherine and Patrick Botex. This is La Cuelle from Bougie Cerdon. Method Ancestral Non-Vintage. It's all from a single vintage, but it's always labeled non-vintage. And this is a sparkling wine, a demi-sec. So it's got a lot of sweetness, usually 40, I think around 40 grams of residual sugar. And you can taste that. And it's only 8% alcohol, which is the real great thing. It's a sparkling rosé that's sweet. It's, I think it's delicious. I agree. So dessert wine. Why are people scared of it? Probably because... A, there's a lot of bad versions of it. If you've had a cheap port or an inexpensive sweet wine, it probably didn't taste good. It was overly sweet. You got it in a tiny little cup and you wondered, or glass, you know, whatever. (laughs) And you're like, why is this happening? Sweet wine just to drink sweet wine. I don't know. If you're not exposed to different kinds or why, or if they're not paired right with the right dessert, the right food, the right cheese you're like, maybe I'd rather be eating my sweetness. You know, maybe I'd rather be eating the sugar than drinking it. But I think when paired with the right foods, they are amazing. Also, when you have an occasion such as Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or a holiday dinner where you have multiple courses and you have lots of people, it's really, really festive and fun to be serving a dessert course with a dessert wine. Also around this this time of year, there are lots of like lunches and brunches, which you can really go for something like this that has a little bit of sweetness that was going to, is going to pair with your waffles and your eggs and your pancakes and your kind of bacon and syrup and mix of everything that you have with this little bit of sweetness, less alcohol and just goes down easy. So my point is sweet wines paired in the right way with the right foods and at the right time of day can be fantastic. Maybe not something you want to drink, just a glass of port at 5 p.m. Okay, but there is a time and a place for many things. 
So one, you got to look for great producers. And two, you got to kind of know what dessert wines you're looking for. Some dessert wines are late harvest wines. So it means that the grapes hang on the vine longer. The sugars get a lot higher. They're more concentrated. And that produces a wine that's sweeter. Fermentation stops naturally early because there's so much sugar. And then it's bottled. This could be a sweet Riesling, for example. Some dessert wines are fortified, meaning the grapes are already ripe and there is a lot of sugar, but there's also some spirit, neutral spirit added to stop the fermentation and halt the yeast eating the sugars. So some sugar remains and they're a little bit higher in alcohol. This, an example of this would be a port. And then there's also lots of sparkling wines that are demi-sex, such as the wine that we're drinking tonight. This is Method Ancestral, or the same thing as Petnat. So it's a fermentation that starts and then it's stopped, it's put into bottle, and then it starts again and then naturally stops. So it's a single fermentation, lighter bubbles, stopping naturally, leaving a lot of residual sugar. This has like I said, probably around 40 grams, which is a lot, you know. That's a lot. It's a lot when you think of a dry champagne being one to three grams, a normal champagne maybe being six to nine grams. This has 40. 40. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, but a lot of dessert wines are going to have more than this. Mm. You could have, you know, 70, 80. I don't know. I mean, this is, for me, sweet, but it's not cloying. So the key to pairing dessert wines, the wine should always be sweeter than what you're eating. Otherwise, the wine is going to taste bitter and not give off that flavor. So it's got to have enough grams of residual sugar to be more than that, have more perceived sweetness than that chocolate cake or than that lemon meringue pie. That's kind of a lot. Can we talk about why you chose this wine to, to be the example for the dessert wines? Maybe a little bit more information on the winemaker and why you think this wine sort of should be celebrated as a dessert wine that should be like used as a gateway for people to get into dessert wines. That is exactly why I chose this wine, because I think it is a great gateway into dessert wines. First of all, sparkling is always kind of pleasurable. This is in the world of Moscato, Bracchetto, like it has that little frizzante and a little bit sweet, which to me, as I was saying before, I always think of as a lunch and brunch wine. You can also pair it with like great cheeses, blue cheese, or, you know, pastries and that kind of thing. Even a chocolate dessert, I think this would be great for. But it's not so dense. The sparkling aspect of it gives it a little bit of lightness. And I was thinking about when I chose this for us too, what do I want to drink? You know, what sounds good to me to drink at 9.30 on a Saturday night after dinner that we can enjoy a glass together and I don't want to get out my port glasses. You know what I mean? The other reason is because I'm so excited about this region. It is just kind of magic. First of all, who isn't excited about a wine region called Bougie? Okay, this is, (laughs) this should be, uh, there should be a shirt. It should be all wine regions. But it's a tiny, tiny little region that didn't even get recognized as an AOC or an appellation recognized by the government for wine, I mean, until 2009. 
This is a tiny, tiny little area that's east of Burgundy. It used to be part of East Burgundy. And you've got Jura to the north, the Savoie to the east. And this little area is kind of a crossroads to a lot of places like Lyon or Macon or Dijon or Geneva. Like a lot of crossroads go through this little tiny area. And one kind of cool thing, you wouldn't know it, but you may have seen it before if you've watched the Tour de France because the Grand Colombier, which was is famous for being in the Tour de France, them climbing this like 1500 meter point, has amazing views of Mont Blanc. And so it's right on the edge of the Alps. It's a really, really steep kind of alpine area. It's beautiful. And like the pictures of the little towns are just like storybook pictures. It looks like amazing place to visit. There's only two different kinds of wine or two different AOCs within this region. There's bougie and then there's Roussette de Bougie. Roussette de Bougie is a dry white wine. It's always made from Altesse. And bougie is kind of complicated because it could be red, white, or sparkling. And it could be still or dry versions of those. Kind of tricky. But bougie Cerdon is always this semi-sweet rosé that's usually made in Method Ancestral. And this is just delicious. So this is made by Patrick and Catherine Botex. They started in 1991. They only make 4,000 cases of wine, so not very much at all. They only have five hectares. And this is from a tiny little area called Le Cuyu. And it's one of like seven little high altitude points that are surrounding the little town of Poncin. Really rocky slopes overlooking the Aisne River. Their HVE, which is a certification in France that basically means you have lots of biodiversity in your vineyard. You don't use harsh herbicides or insecticides. You have to use organic compounds for that. And you have a very conservative use of water or you don't use water. And this is mostly Gamay with 10% Pulsar that they get from the Jura. But the rest is Gamay. And it's just pleasurable. I just think it's just, first of all, the color, right? It's this gorgeous like magenta in the glass. Now ours has a little ring of tiny, tiny bubbles. And when you swirl it, it gets really frothy at the top of the bubbles are so light and easy. It's not overly bubbly. It's just frizzante. Put your nose in there. It smells like yeast and candy. Blackberry candy. It smells like those powdery blackberry candies you get in the tin, whatever those are called. You know, you get them at Christmas and bubble gum. And then it tastes like that. I mean, it tastes like to me yeast, sweet yeast and blackberries and raspberries, raspberry candy, those pastilles. And then it's fresh. It's the finish. There's like enough acid to make the finish not cloying. It doesn't stay on your tongue. It's whipped away. I mean, there's still acidity. I think that's what's important about dessert wine. If I didn't tell you this had 40 grams, you probably wouldn't guess that because there is acidity. And even though it's sweet, it's not like sticking to your tongue. Does this winery make this as their primary label? Do they, do they, make, do they bottle other wines? Nope. This is it? Yep. Wow. And most of the wineries in Bougie sell locally. There's only like 10% of wines are exported. And probably most probably most of what gets exported is bougie Cerdon because it's always the like slightly slightly sweet pink sparkling. 
But there's, you know, like I said, there's red, there's white, there's other sparkling, and most of that doesn't get exported at all. But this winery just makes this wine. I totally agree. It does feel like a brunch wine or a holiday morning wine. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would have this Thanksgiving. Get, get pairings? Oh, yeah. Oh, Drink yeah. pairings right now? Just go into it. Run with it, girl. I mean, Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> Although, let's talk about Halloween. So, mom and dad, I got to go out with the kids. The kids are getting Snickers. Mom and dad, you can sip on the bougie serdon. This is your like sweet treat for walking around trick-or-treating. Although, I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying that parents should walk around with a cup of wine. But if you want to treat yourself to something sweet on Halloween, this would be a great treat. Otherwise, I would wake up and enjoy this on Thanksgiving morning with some pastries while I'm cooking. I would also enjoy this with brunch with my family the weekend after with all the leftovers. I think this would be delicious with Thanksgiving dinner even because even, you know, after you've had a few dry wines, you might want to sit around and have sweet potato casserole and some pie and this would be delicious. Also, it's so refreshing because it's sparkling and because there is acid. So even after a heavy meal, it would be enjoyable. And one of the pairings I was reading about was sweet and sour Chinese dishes. So maybe you could try that too, along with blue cheese. How do our listeners find this one? You can find Bougie Cerdon, even though, as I said, it's not too much is exported. You can find it in wine shops and small or probably large wine shops. If you can't find this, go for a bracchetto from northern Italy or Moscato. That's like the same world. It's got that, you know, slightly sparkling frizzante. But bougie is a much more fun word to say. And now we give a lot of savory dishes in our pairings. We want people to lean into this dessert idea. So there's Moscato's, Brichetto's, this wine. Because one thing I learned from you was, and this regards some of the post-dinner aperitifs, like some things go with chocolate, some things don't. What are we pairing in the sweet world with this wine and the wines that we mentioned a second ago? Well, kind of the cool thing about this, because it is this rosé and it has this like berry fruit to it, I think you could actually do this with both. I think you could do this with like a fruit pastry, a fruit dessert. I think you could do this with a chocolate mousse. You could do it. The hardest one for me to pair truly is ice cream, just because it's cream, you know. But I would say this would be a fair shot. I mean, try it. It could work. Port and ice cream. Um, not my favorite combo. You got to try it, I guess. But like sweet Riesling and ice cream. No, it's not going <laughs> to work for me. Sweet Riesling is a white dessert wine. It's like got beautiful acidity, really delicate fruit. It's going to go with f- like crumbly shortbread cookies or flaky pastry type desserts or fruit desserts. Riesling, late harvest Riesling, not going to go with that dense chocolate cake probably. I would pick like a port or a red dessert wine. Same kind of feeling that you get for pairing with savory foods, you know? You see on TV a lot, a lot of misconceptions about red wine and desserts. Care to comment about when you see a show and you see someone eating chocolate covered strawberries and red wine or chocolate cake and red wine. You said if you want to do that, go in this direction, 
right? Yeah, I say most of the time that doesn't work great because the rule is that the wine usually should be sweeter than the dessert most of the time. I will say there is one outlier pairing I had one time, which was a Cabernet Franc with a creme brulee. And that sounds so terrible and it totally worked. So... If you need to throw out the rules because you just found an amazing pairing, just do it. But most of the time, save the chocolate or for a dessert wine or a port or even an Amaro, you know? My last question to you about the pairings as we're coming into Halloween week. There'll be a lot of residual candy lying around. Can you pair a wine for us with these residual snack size Snickers? Or sweet tarts or whatever. How are we going to pair some of this candy? Well, like I said, you got to think about it. Is it chocolate? Is it fruity? I mean, what? that's why another reason why I think this wine is probably going to be your most versatile with that. I think you could probably do some of the candy bars, the chocolate candy bars, and you could do Skittles with this. Port and Skittles would not recommend. Um, (laughs) Makes sense. But I think this is pretty as versatile as you can get now one thing that is okay you were talking about a second ago like the chocolate dessert with the red wine one thing that is like really truly a terrible pairing is champagne and wedding cake that is just so you just know feels like we do it all the time People do it all the time. It is is like you ruin that champagne. You can't taste it because the cake's so sweet. Don't waste your money. So let's help. Let's help the bride to be out there. How, what are you doing? Uh, what are you pairing with your with your cake? This wine right here. Have this bougie seared on with your cake. It would be amazing. This with like a triple berry, like just vanilla cake. Oh my goodness, be amazing. Have some moscato with your birth with your wedding cake with your birthday cake don't do the champagne and the wedding cake Oof. we're out here saving save lives. your money and saving save money. your palates people saving palates you're gonna party right party with sweet wine and your cake at your wedding do it all right is that it have we, have we helped you be less scared of dessert wines out there let us know hit us up on instagram at the long finish let us know if you're into instagram um, let us know if you're if you're trying a sweet wine this uh this fall or into dessert wine already let us know a good one and you know what just dip your toe in because it's like anything you have to try a few there are going to be some that don't work when you find one you like and you're able to pair something right it'll be a good aha moment All right, now we get into the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. It is a shout-out and a tribute to my man, Peter Scolari. Peter Scolari is a world-class actor. Many of you all know him. He unfortunately passed away last week with a a long, difficult bout with cancer. He was a friend of mine, associate of mine. We worked together on Broadway years ago. You may have known him from the TV shows Bosom Buddies, where he starred with Tom Hanks. As they both made their starts into the Hollywood business, he was on Newhart, had two Emmy nominations on Newhart, and then ultimately won an Emmy playing Lena Dunham's dad on the HBO show Girls. Peter Scolari is a complete role model to so many actors out there. I saw so many people honoring him on social media, praising him. I did the same because working with him, he was incredibly humble. He showed you what it was like to be a professional actor incredibly successful 
incredibly talented, but always gracious with his time, was always willing to talk about his advice for the business, his life, his successes and failures. Just as a person, for me, someone I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be a role model for people. I want people to ask me about questions as I continue to traverse this world. So really sad day for so many of my friends that, that knew him, that care for Peter. My heart goes out to his family. And um, yeah, hopefully he knows and is listening that, that he was an inspiration to me and will always be a part of my life. And I think very, very, think back very, very fondly of our time together. As a matter of fact, he introduced me to Tom Hanks. I think I told you this story, Catherine, but this is, um, he did a play on Broadway a year or two after he did it with me, and Tom Hanks and Peter worked together again. And I went backstage and said hi to Peter, and everyone left. And he said, you want to meet Tom Hanks? And I said, or Tom? And I was like, sure. And he walked me up the dressing room stage, and he said, uh, hey, Tom, this is my friend Tug Coker. Tom Hanks is like, you know, you can see why Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. He's like, hello, Tug, as if we'd known each other for a million years. And it was just great to watch those two banter like they did you know 30 years ago or 35 years ago on bosom buddies and he and i went out and had dinner and he was at joe allen which is one of the classic broadway places to get a drink post-show and just had a great time so i think very very fondly peter sclari huge inspiration to me that's my inspiration for the week Catherine. what do you have what a terrific actor and what a pleasure and great that, person yes that you got to the chance to know him well Hard to top that. Yeah, one. maybe I should go second. Do you want me to go second? I, no. I'm sending. I send my best wishes as well to his family and friends and everyone. Tracy and the whole him. family. Yep. My inspiration this week is just a little bit lighter and something to <laughs> to to keep your mood up, which we need. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know this because I never talk about music on. That's usually. I'm listening. Where are we going with this? <laughs> That's your world. But I subscribe to the Blue Note Monthly from Blue Note Records. And it's a fantastic playlist that's updated every single month. It's the their favorite tracks from the Blue Note vaults. And it, there's always new tracks, new versions of classic, classic jazz artists. Some people that I hadn't known before and then other tracks that are, you can never find every track of Thelonious Monk or, you know, Sonny Clark or these people. Like, it's fabulous, like the, the vaults that they have. And so this playlist is just something I look forward to every month. And it's what I'm playing in the car. That's cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's really cool. You got to pass it on to me. I'm interested. It's it's how you get to know more than the classics. Like I know all the classics, so it's how you go beyond and find those really special tracks. Yeah, it's like a version of the website Pitchfork, what that does for indie rock, etc. Yeah, that's cool. We used to live by the Blue Note. You remember I this? I can't even believe it. I know. Just to walk by it all the time. Yep, every, every day. On the, Stones throw away on the way to the subway. That's right. All right, that's it. That's episode seventy-three of the Long Finish. Episode seventy-three is in the books. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. If you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, it would mean a lot to us. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? 
Find us on Instagram. I'm at Catherine Wild Coker. And the long finish is at the long finish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. We'll be back in two weeks with an all new episode as we move up to climb to 100 episodes. We're going to be on episode 74, but this is episode 73. Hope you had a great time. We did too. Until then, have a great week. Be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.